welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Flyboarding first came over to the U.S. in 2012. There is nothing like it. I've done skydiving, all kind of water sports, and it is nothing like you've ever experienced before. thrilling part of flyboarding would be probably just soaring 40 to 45 feet in the air. I mean the tricks are fun, the dives, the backflips, they're all great and fun, but just soaring that high, that is the best part about flyboarding. Everyone watches the movie Iron Man and says that would be so much fun to go flat like that. You're pretty much getting that kind of feeling when you go up there and flyboard. across the lake to see what this is. And they come to me after and say, what does it feel like? And I say, it's nothing like you've ever felt before. And I feel like that's kind of the same way with being a Christian. People come up and ask me, why are you a Christian? And I say, to really know and understand, you have to try it yourself. relationship with God for me ranks number one in my life. I dare you to live your life for God. Just try it and see what happens. Okay, how many after seeing that video, you want to try flyboarding? Come on. All right, you are adrenaline junkies just like me. And, and I want to do that. I know at all of our campuses, people want to do this. And I saw that and I was like, oh, that is just so much fun. And, I, and my wife is like, you can't do it, you're old. I said, no, I'm not that old. She's like, you're old. I'm like, I'm like I, I can do that. I can do it. It's over water. And, he's like, and she's like, you'll get hurt. I'm like, no, I won't. And she's like, yes, you will. I'm like, yeah, I will probably. All right. So... But that is just so cool. And I'm watching that like, oh, man. And let me just say this. In this, in this series, Thrill Seekers, I want to let you know that we are not against thrills like uh, flyboarding and rock climbing and uh, against different things and uh, motocross. We're not against those things. But we're saying if you're living for those things, if that's all you're living for, if that's all you're consumed with is the thrill sequence of chasing after that and just adrenaline rush, it's a shallow life and you are called to live for something more. Okay, so we're not opposed to those things and really honestly, I, I might try that someday, 
and you'll just have to give me marriage counseling. All right, so, because I found out that one of the students at our Minnetrista campus has that whole setup, and he invited me to do that, and I'm pumped about it, so uh, you're my new best friend. All right, so... Um, but so those thrills are not bad. Those thrills are not bad. They're, they're just innocent things, but if you're living for that, it's wrong. But how many know there is a destructive thrill sequence that people get sucked into? Destructive, immorality. They get sucked into drugs and alcohol abuse and immorality, and all of a sudden it, it kills them. The Bible talks about that stealing their life, and it may not kill them in a moment, but little by little it just takes away from their life and it leads to death, the Bible says. And so when people are caught up in that thrill sequence, looking for things that are wrong, that are sinful, to answer that need in them and fill the hole in them, they get sucked into it and it's wrong. And we're saying to those people, you've got to break out of it. And I love, I've got, I got a few emails and, and letters that were sent anonymously about people saying, I'm in a destructive thrill sequence and listening to this sermon is breaking me out of that. Thank you for having the courage to break me out of this and show me that it's empty. And so when you're sucked into that, it'll only lead to death. You need to break out of it. You were made to live for something so much more. Now, we made up the term thrill sequence at River Valley, and I'll explain it because some are like, I've not been a part of the church, I'm new to the sermon series, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and, and we're trying to explain why do people do all these crazy things today? Why do we live for excitement? Why do we chase after all this adrenaline and, and the thrill? And why do people chase after sin like they were commissioned to go do it? And uh, we found that people are bored. They're bored and they chase a thrill. They share the experience with others. They tell the story, they repeat the process until the thrill is gone, and then they try something even more um, thrilling, more exciting, more daring, maybe more sinful. And they go and, and hope that that rush will make them happy, hope that it'll bring them meaning, hope that it'll fill the void in their life. And again, some of the things are just innocent, but they live for the wrong things, and you give your life over and over again for something that won't really matter. And then other things are so destructive in that thrill sequence, and over and over you're stuck into it, and you, you can't break out of it. It's like culture keeps you in it, and you've got to chase for more, for more, for more. And so with that, we invented that term thrill sequence, trying to encapsulate what people are caught up in. And I'm praying that that, that term will be grabbed a hold of by culture and that people will say, we're not going to live for the thrill sequence anymore. We're going to live for something more important. But we are so addicted to excitement and adrenaline and, and all this that when I was doing my research for the series... Um, you know, I discovered like the largest thrill drop ride that they're going to do in New Jersey. And then I, I discovered something else this past week, um, extreme kidnapping. I don't know if you've ever heard of that here at all of our campuses. Raise your hand if you've heard of extreme kidnapping. Go ahead. All right. So I have a very tame crowd here. All right. So uh, extreme kidnapping is this. You pay someone to kidnap you because you want the rush. You want the rush. Like you're looking, what will thrill me? And so people actually pay someone to come in and kidnap them. It starts at $500 and it can go into the thousands of dollars. They take you and they actually torture you like you've been kidnapped, like you're a spy. And they literally will torture you. And you can say from electric shock all the way to waterboarding, okay? And you give a safe word for this. So in case it gets too much and it's, it's too intense, you can get out of it. But so we just want the rush so bad that we've invented this new thing, extreme kidnapping. And the problem with it, it's not really immoral, it's kind of weird, but um, you know, the, the, the problem with it is that people are being kidnapped and abducted on the street 
And then people see it, then they call the police, and then the police are chasing after these people and after the black van that abducted them, but it was all part of something that they paid for. Okay, it's just this adrenaline that people want and they're going after it and they're saying, I, I, I want it, I've got to have it. I want something new. We're so addicted to thrills and we're so addic- addicted to adrenaline that we've come up with a new term in the United States. It was actually invented in, in about 1991, an adrenaline junkie, an adrenaline junkie. And, the, and from the best that I could tell, it traces back to a movie called Point Break where people were addicted to adrenaline and they'd go and surf at night knowing that it's dangerous with sharks. They'd go and skydive. They'd go and rob banks. And it was all about the next thing of adrenaline. We're all fired up for this and we're just, you know, adrenaline. And, and, and trust me again, adrenaline is not bad. Adrenaline is not bad. I'm still thinking about that video. Like, I'm going to do that. I'm, gonna do that. I'm not old. All right, I know. All right, so anyways, but I believe God gave us adrenaline. Let's be very clear. God gave us adrenaline. God gave us the desire to pursue thrills. God gave us the desire to have experiences. God gave us this. So if he put it in us, it can't be like, I put this in you and now it's terrible and never, ever, ever do anything thrilling. Never, ever use adrenaline. Never, ever, ever go after that. So there's gotta be a way to use it in the right way. And the Talmud, which is the early writings of the first five centuries of um, the rabbis that would write their thoughts and their, their concepts about God. They wrote this. They said that we're going to be judged when we get to eternity, when we get before God, we're going to be judged for the good things that he created that we never enjoyed. Think about that. They said God wants us to enjoy things. He wants us to do things. He wants us to experience things. And they're saying God's going to judge you if you didn't enjoy those things. So there must be something about adrenaline. There must be something where we use it for what really matters. There has to be. And if you want a title for this message, I would entitle it this. Don't waste your adrenaline. Don't waste your adrenaline. Don't waste it. You were given it for a reason don't waste it. And so with our theme verses in this series, Proverbs 21, 17, it says, you're addicted to thrills. What an empty life. The pursuit of pleasure is never satisfied. And it's so true that that thrill sequence, it'll never satisfy. You'll just keep living it, living it, and living it. But another verse that we've used in this is Proverbs 15, 21. It says, the empty-headed treat life as a plaything. The perceptive grasp its meaning and make a go of it. The perceptive grasp its meaning and and make a go of it. They do something with the drive they have, the thrill that is there, the adrenaline that is there. And if I could do my own little Rob Ketterling message translation, if you will, I would say that verse like this. The empty-headed waste their adrenaline, but the wise invest it in things that matter and go for it. I don't want to be empty-headed. I don't want to waste my adrenaline. I don't want to live my life and know that God gave me a desire to try things, to experience things, to live for something bigger, to be in an adventure. And I don't want to just sit there and say, I wasted my adrenaline. I chased the wrong thing or I never had any adrenaline. Because here's the thing that I think what happens. People do a lot of wrong things because they're bored. They do a lot of things that are wrong because they're bored. There's nothing worth living for. They've got adrenaline. They've got a drive. They've got this ability. They want to be in some type of thrill sequence, and they're bored. And so they go and do stupid things because they're bored. That's how you explain a teenager that has everything. 
that has everything and goes and, and starts to steal for the thrill of it. You're thinking, you don't need to steal. Your, your, your parents have plenty. You have plenty. There's no reason to steal, but it's as if they're bored. And so they're like, I, I'm going to try this. I'm, I'm just living for something. I, I, I'm seeing if I can have any adrenaline. It's amazing because how many know that teenagers today have more things to keep them from getting bored than ever before? I mean, they have smartphones and they have Nintendo Wii and they have PS3 and they have, you know, gaming system and they have, you know, just money upon money and they have just all these things that they can do. And I know that I'm going to date myself here, but I mean, when I was growing up, my parents like, were like, go outside and play. Okay. Okay. There were no video games. I remember, I mean, this is really going to be old. I remember when color TV was invented or at least the average middle-class family could own it because we watched Wizard of Oz and all the neighbors came to our house to watch it because we were the only ones in the neighborhood in Egan with a color TV, okay? I can remember when Pong was invented. How many remember Pong? <laughs> Hours of entertainment. Yeah. Big paddle, little paddle. Look at, we have Pong! It's amazing! <laughs> Invite your friends, Pong! I mean, okay? That's old, okay? <laughs> My parents would just say, go outside and play. Go outside and play. We'd have a ball. And we'd be like, what do we do with this? I don't know. <laughs> Let's invent a game. Let's throw it at people. Let's, that's fun, you know? And, and you'd invent a game. It was the greatest game. You, you'd be bored, you know, like inside. So they'd say, go outside. And you'd be like, oh, there's some spare lumber. Dad must not need it. Of course he did, but he left it there. And so he's at work. And so you'd build something. He's like, why did you do that? You know, you'd build a fort. You'd make an airplane. I remember once we tore like a buggy apart. My mom had a, a little buggy thing. We're like, we could strap that on a piece of wood and make a go-kart. And we did, you know, like... <laughs> How many know you just did it? You just went outside and you got in trouble. You blew things up. You lit things on fire, you know? <laughs> and teens have everything in the world today and they're bored and they're bored and they're bored. And people, we, we have so much. And you think about it. Drugs used to be an escape out of poverty. What do I mean by that? Your life was so bad. You were so poor. So you got hooked on drugs to numb the pain, to try to give you some ecstasy in your life to look forward to because you're poor. But people are so bored. Rich, affluent people are so bored that they'll do drugs because they're like, I feel nothing. I, I, I'm looking for a thrill. I'm looking for something because it's not to escape my poverty. It's to escape my boredom. How else do you explain that Hazelden is full of people that are the wealthiest of the world because they're chasing after a thrill sequence and they're getting sucked into these things because they're bored. They're not living for something that has real meaning. Man, here's what's happening though. Here's what I think is explaining this in the church and in the world. The world is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and more connected. I mean, kids have like the Library of Congress in their hand. They don't need to go to the library. It's right there. We have more money. We have more affluence. We have more stuff. We have flyboarding. We have all this stuff. And, and, and the world is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think the church is getting smaller and smaller and smaller in asking for commitment. We allow people to be a part of a church and we don't ask anything of them. And we say, come join our small church, not by size, but small by vision. You could be a big mega church with small vision and you don't want to change the world and you say, come join us. Just write a check, just sit in a seat, help us do the latest edition, uh, if we will. Um, you know, there's not much to do here. Just keep attending. 
don't create waves. And, and when we have a church split over the color of the carpet, please cast your vote. People are saying, I'm out. I'm out. If we're going to fight over the color of carpet, God has called me to bigger things than this, and I, I'm not meant to live that way. And so they look for anything, and we're looking for something bigger. And if I could say this to the teenagers, you have permission in this church to lead. You have permission to run ministries. Matter of fact, I think our tech crew should be filled with teenagers. You understand it better than the older people anyways, all right? You have better dexterity. All right, go for it. Do it. You should be leading life groups. You're not too young to do that. You are empowered and given permission by the elders of this church to never see church as boring. You should go for it. And, and I think we're afraid. Churches are afraid to call people to a higher level of commitment, to say, live for the ultimate thrill sequence. We're afraid to do that, and I'm not going to be that way today. I'm going to call you to the ultimate thrill sequence, to live for God the way that he intended us to live as followers of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, the apostle Paul writes this, and I want you to catch these two words. He says, God who got you started in this spiritual adventure, God who got you started in this spiritual adventure, shares with us the life of his son and our master Jesus. He will never give up on you, never forget that. And I think we miss it. God has called us to live in a spiritual adventure. We, we just sell it as, you know, come, follow Jesus, and, 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 and stay away from trouble, and, and kind of be boring, and, and, and don't, don't, it's not much, but it, it's, you get to avoid hell, and um, that's pretty good, you know, so don't, don't, you know, it's a spiritual adventure that we're on. God has called us onto a spiritual adventure to grow, to follow him, to be involved in the supernatural. How incredible and amazing is that? He said, you're going to be in touch with the supernatural, and, and I'm going to empower you and give you gifts and do these things through you that you never thought, and you're going to be in touch with the divine, and it's a spiritual adventure, and the church just sells it so short. It's so weak, it's so boring, and we can't be like that. John Piper uh, wrote a book, and I read it uh, last year, but it was called Don't Waste Your Life. Don't Waste Your Life. And he talks about how Christians live a boring life and a boring faith, and God has called us to live for so much more. He said, oh, how many lives are wasted by people who believe that the Christian life means simply avoiding badness and providing for their family. No adultery, no stealing, no killing, just lots of hard work and TV and PG-13 movies and fun stuff on the weekends with church. And he says, but we were created for more, far more than that. He continues on and he says, five minutes after you die, you won't be in heaven going, God, I, I really just stayed home and watched a lot of TV, not a lot of bad stuff. It was never immoral, you know, and I, and I threw the limit at PG-13 and, you know, and, you know, we were good and then we, got, we played a lot of board games at night and, you know, a lot of family time and, and he's like, you're not going to say that. God's going to be like, why didn't you take your family on the spiritual adventure? Why didn't you do something? Why, why didn't you make the most of the adrenaline that I gave you? And it's not us living safe, boring lives. Remember, he gave us adrenaline for a reason. He gave us a desire to be thrilled, to be exciting, to go after stuff, to try things. There's something within us that's there, and it can't be bad that God put that desire in there. Let's use it for good. Do you know why we send all of our youth group on a global team through Kingdom Builders? 
you, you may not know this. You may be new to our church. You may not know this. Or you may not understand Kingdom Builders very well. But it's a way that we give over and above our regular giving to do things that advance the kingdom of God. We send all of our teenagers on a global team around the world. Every other year we do this. Why? Because we want them to know that the older generation believes in them. They don't have to raise any money. We give it. It's going to be about $200,000 next year, so be thinking about that. We want them to know that the older generation believes in them. We want them to hear the voice of God while they're on the trip, and we want them to understand that it's a big adventure. God is bigger than the, the, the county that they live in. God is bigger than the state they live in. God is bigger than their video games. God is bigger, and he may call them on an adventure that is incredible and amazing. We want them to be in contact with a missionary that left everything here and went there and is chasing a thrill sequence like they've never known, and we're praying, God, may these teenagers be on a thrill sequence for you and never, ever, ever live boring Christianity. That's why we do it. Being a Christian should not be boring. Being a Christ follower, not boring. And if I could say this, being married should not be boring, okay? Christians ought to have the best, most exciting marriages in the world. And I did expect an amen on that because I thought people were like, I am afraid to amen that right there, you know. <laughs> but, <coughs> but I did get elbowed. All right, so really, seriously, you were made for more. We should be leading the way in every area of life. And we should not be boring. If you live safe, you lose out. If you live safe, you lose out. Don't waste your adrenaline. Now, God has a thrill sequence that we can live in. And I believe that he calls us just like he did his disciples. In Matthew 4.19, he's talking to some guys that are fishermen. And he says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fish for people. I'll make you fishers of men. You, you, you won't live a life of just telling fish stories at night. Okay, because how many know, like, okay, I, I'm not that into fishing, but I will do fishing. If people invite me to go fishing, I'll go with them. I've done deep sea fishing. I caught a, a, a giant marlin, you know, 170 pounds. It took me 45 minutes to reel it in. My arms were aching. You know, I, I threw a sequence. That fish may be mounted on a wall at church and not at my home. That's like marriage counseling. All right, so anyways, all right, but anyways, you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I've done it, but Jesus was saying, you know what? As much as it is fun to tell a fish story, wait until you follow me and see how people's lives are changed for eternity. Right. And you know what? Instead of staying up late, because he's saying basically on your best night, telling fish stories, you'll tell stories and some of them will turn into lies about how big that fish was. But I tell you what, the best day of fishing for men, you won't be able to go to sleep that night. You'll be up all night going, I can't believe what happened. I can't believe what happened. I can't believe what happened. I could hardly sleep when we did that uh, festival in India, and our global team went there, and there were 10,000 people there, and we give the altar call, and I was like, did they fully understand what they're doing? Because there are like 2,000 thousand, of people coming forward. Do they understand? We were calling them to follow Jesus, and, and I could hardly sleep that night. I laid in bed like, that's amazing. That's amazing. Your best day fishing for men, you won't be able to sleep. God calls us to do great wonders and, and do great things for him and to live this thrill sequence. The question is, are we doing it? Are we doing it? Or are we settling for just, I'm, I'm glad I'm saved and I'm not going to hell and I'll just take it easy and I'll rest, okay? Because Christianity is not a spectator sport. We are in this. We are in this. 
As I was looking at scriptures with thrill sequence, Psalm 107, verse 23 and 24 jumped out at me. It says, those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. Okay, he said, this is what the psalmist was saying. Those people that are daring enough to go out and do this and go in a boat and go sailing are gonna see things that the rest of us will never see. Now you gotta understand this. Jewish people in that day and age were deathly afraid of the water. They were afraid of the ocean. They were afraid of the Mediterranean Sea, which is where they were. Okay, they were afraid of that. And so they're like, oh my goodness. And the psalmist is saying, those that go out and do that, see God in a way that those of us that stay on land never see. They see God in the storms and in the victories. They have adventures with God. If they're willing to leave the safety of the shore and get in the dangerous boat, they're gonna know more about God than they ever would by staying on the shore. And God is calling you to leave the safety of the shore and just say, I am in, I am in with this thrill sequence. And I'll tell you this, the thrill sequence with God, it's not safe, but it's worth it. It's worth it. So instead of wasting our adrenaline on other things, why don't we do like Jesus said and invest our adrenaline in being fishers of men? Why don't we do that? You want an adrenaline rush? You want an adrenaline rush? How about where you change the conversation from something that's going on to a spiritual matter. You look for that opening. All of a sudden, they're talking about the twins and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, they said something about some guy. And you know that, you know, he just gave his life to the Lord recently. And you're like, this is my opportunity. I can change the topic and talk about Jesus. And it won't be weird. You know, how many know, right? And all of a sudden, you do that. And how many know? Adrenaline. How many know? You almost like, you can't stand. You know, like, you're like. And you want adrenaline rush? All of a sudden, boom, it happens there. The other day, Becca and I were shopping, and we went into a store that we go into quite a, uh, often, and the clerk was there, and I noticed on her uh, throat that she had a, a scar. And I said, what, did you just have surgery? She said, yeah, I did, and they took out a tumor, and it was cancerous, and all of a sudden I was like, we are going to believe that you will not face cancer. We believe that Jesus heals. We believe that God answers prayer, and we are going to pray for you. How many know in that moment, my heart is racing? My heart is racing. All of a sudden, the whole conversation went from what we just purchased to this person that matters to God, and it went to a spiritual dimension, and my heart was racing. The adrenaline was pumping. I mean, I practically want to jump over that counter and lay hands on her. I mean, I was like, this, we, we are going to lift you up in prayer. And I left there, and I thought, wow, that is so much better than shopping. <laughs> so much better. Becca was 50. No, she wasn't 50-50. She's like, she's like, that was it. That's all we talked about. We didn't talk about it. It was like, forget that we bought clothes. We're just like, wow, we almost missed a God opportunity. God, we're sorry that we would miss that. Don't ever let us miss that. And all we talked about the rest of the time, I was like, I can't believe that. She's in our life and we never do. I can't believe that. Here's another thing. You want that with, with fishing for men and you want to change your whole church experience? Invite someone to church that doesn't know Jesus. How many know church will take on a whole new level of adrenaline? You'll be standing there in the lobby and you'll be like, I hope they come, I hope they show up. I, hope they, I see you pacing, you know? And you're out there in the lobby and you're pacing and you're like, I'm like, you're waiting for somebody. You're like, yep, yep, I'm praying they come here. And how many know when you see their car pull in, like adrenaline rush, and it hits you like, okay, they really said yes, now what, now what, now what, right? <laughs> And then you invite them into service. And you're like, okay, I hope everybody's friendly. Friendly. All right, they got three handshakes. Okay, good, good, good. And then I want a good seat and I want to be behind a pole and I want, to, I want a good seat. 
and, and you got a good seat, and then you're like, worship's going on, and then the presence of God in worship, and you're feeling the presence of God in worship, and all of a sudden you're like, you see them and they're crying, and you're like, I hope that's a good cry. I hope you're like doing something with them, God, and your heart's racing, and you're like, okay, and then maybe something happens in church, and you can't explain it, and you're thinking, oh boy, what am I going to say afterwards? And then maybe there's an opportunity at the end of service. Some of you getting nervous right now, right here. <laughs> And there's an opportunity to give your life to Jesus and you're praying for them and you're pulling for them and you're thinking about it, and your heart's racing and you want them to respond. You want to rush? 52 weekends a year, you invite someone to church that doesn't know Jesus. Man, it takes on a whole new level. Thrill sequence to a whole new level. Another thing, if you want a thrill sequence that God has called you on, obey him in the area of giving and I will guarantee you, you'll get a thrill sequence. I guarantee you. The first time you follow God in the tithe, where you give 10% of your income to the local church, you follow God that you understand, you say, God, you're bigger than me, you get the first bite, you get 10%. The first time you write that check, usually, or you do it online, clicking that number in or writing that check, it's like, <gasps> send, <laughs> adrenaline rush. And then how many know immediately after that, fear, doubt, <laughs> attack, you know, and then you're like, okay, and then... The first time a miracle happens financially for you, you're like, oh, this worked. It's thrill sequence to another level. It's like, this is amazing. I don't know how God does it. I give away and I live on less and he makes more out of my less and this is incredible. And then you're called and you do kingdom builders and you go over and above and you do more and all of a sudden you're like, this is amazing. And the thrill sequence of saying, how much can we give? How much can we give? How little can we live on? Could we be... 90% givers and only keep 10%? Lord, we're on the thrill sequence with you. And I know you're shaking your head. Some of you are like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You just want the money. I'm telling you what, the church will make it whether you give or not. This church is in great financial shape. And I don't tell you that to say don't give, but I'm telling you, like, I, I'm preaching this because I really believe it. I practiced it before I was a pastor. I practiced it when I was a kid. I got in on the thrill sequence of, of tithing on a dollar and knowing that that dime made a difference. I'm telling you, it works. It's the thrill sequence you're made for. You invest your adrenaline in focusing outward instead of inward. You, you look outside your life, your own needs, and all of a sudden opportunities start arising. You look at church as not you saying, I'm a consumer of church, but I'm an investor in this place. Where else can I invest my life? And all of a sudden you want the thrill sequence? How many know And all of a sudden they say, we're looking for volunteers in the nursery. You're like, oh, do, 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 do. here my Lord, send someone else. How many know, right? You know, thrills, or, or working with teenagers or leading your first life group. God's like, it's time for you to not be a consumer of life groups, but to invest in others and lead it. And how many all of a sudden, you want a thrill sequence? All of a sudden you step out, the opportunities start coming there, and all of a sudden you're living at a whole nother level of thrill sequence. It's amazing how that works. And I wrote this down about your life. If you are selfish with your life, if, with your life, if you hoard, you will get bored. If you hoard, you will get bored. When you hoard your life and it's all about you, you will get bored and I guarantee you it won't mean anything to you if you hoard your time, your talent, your treasures. If you hoard that, you will get bored and you will go down a destructive thrill sequence. Give yourself away and see what God will do with you. You want a, a thrill sequence? Use your adrenaline to stand up for God and take a risk for him. Read your Bible in light of that. Look at Esther who's like, if I perish, I perish, but I'm standing before the king and I'm going to save a people. I mean, Esther had no guarantee. I guarantee when she went there, her heart was going, doo, 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 doo. you could probably see her heart. 
And she's like, I'm Jewish. You're asking for the eradication of my people. I'm Jewish. You're asking for your wife to be taken out. And you can imagine, no guarantee that it would work, but she stood up for God. You talk about thrill sequence, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying, we won't bow, and we're going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. And I'll tell you this, I, I got this revelation. They had an adrenaline rush beyond adrenaline that was a supernatural peace of God. You want the ultimate adrenaline? You face adversity like that and have the peace of God that takes you to another level beyond adrenaline. Beyond adrenaline. And the only time in my life that I've fully, fully, fully that I could even explain to you, I remember when I was going in for surgery when I was 11 years old, and I remember going into the room, and I walked into the room for the surgery, and I was like, the heart was beating, and all of a sudden, the adrenaline turned into the peace of God. And I just felt God just like say, you're gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay. And as an 11-year-old, I jumped up on the operating table myself. And I can remember the peace of God. I can remember it just like today. Man, you're gonna be okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. When you take risk for God, that same peace level will be there. When you look at Daniel and the lion's den, come on, that guy was experiencing an adrenaline rush like nobody's business. And I think about all these people, like, can you imagine the bedtime stories they would tell to other people's kids? Because they couldn't have kids. But anyways, that's if you know your Bible, right? And they're like, Uncle Daniel, tell me the story again. Oh, you won't believe those lions. They were so big. How many were there? There were dozens. And they were hungry. And they threw me in there. How many know that's incredible? That's another level. And then to talk about the peace of God that filled him. And then to talk about the fact that he didn't scream on his way into the lion's den. He walked right in and said, my God will save me. Wow. You talk about a thrill sequence. The Apostle Paul, the adrenaline that he must have had. And, and read about his life in Acts and in Corinthians and read about his life in Ephesians and Galatians and Philippians and read about it with a thrill sequence mentality, not a, oh, poor Paul, poor Apostle Paul. Because that's, I think, how we read it. Acts 20, verses 22 and 23. And now compelled by the Spirit. This is Paul talking. I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. And, and we shouldn't read it like, poor Paul. We should read it like, da-na-na, da-na-na. <laughs> or like, like, Paul, you are the James Bond of the Bible. Minus the immorality and the killing, but you are the James Bond of the Bible. You lived it. I mean, listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 11. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Paul's saying, I am living survivor, fear factor, man versus wild every day. And it is not pre-produced by Mark Burnett. I am living it. <laughs> that is amazing. And can I just, I want to I proclaim this over T-types in our church. T-types. We talked about this in week one. 
There are T-types that are like, they thrive on the thrill. They thrive on it. Usually you get in trouble as a kid. You're always trying something. You're lighting something on fire. You're doing stuff. You're getting in trouble. You're like, why? You try it. You climb the fence. You do that. T-types, perhaps you were called to be a missionary. Perhaps you were called to be an apostle, going to people that don't know about Jesus and living risks that we will never know. You'll have the faith to get in an airplane held together by duct tape, and you will do it in the name of Jesus. You will go and face cannibals and say, it doesn't matter. You will go and face people that may behead you if God doesn't show up, but you say, it doesn't matter. Maybe our T-types, that are, we think they're rebellious. Maybe they're just bored with normal and they're called to live spectacular apostolic missionary lives. And maybe if you are a parent of a T-type, maybe you could pray that prayer over them. God, call them to be a missionary and put this mischievous child to good use for the kingdom of God. And may I get some sleep tonight. Amen. You know. Use your adrenaline for global teams. Use your adrenaline for global teams. All of us can do that. All of us. I love what Don Eichens, Don has traveled the world with me. He's gone around the world with me. We have been on four continents together. I just, it's, it blew my mind that Don and I have been on four different continents. We have smuggled Bibles into countries. We have dressed up in black at night and gone through neighborhoods where people don't have a Bible and slipped them under their doorpost under the cover of darkness. I mean, we have lived the thrill sequence together. And I thought, if anybody lives a life that is not thrill sequence, it might be Don. He, he works for the post office. <laughs> Okay, that place could bore you to death, okay? And he's like, I am not going to do that. I was called. I will not waste my adrenaline from a barking dog. I am going to use my adrenaline for the kingdom of God. And he's called the missions. He and his wife have said, we feel called the missions. And can I say this? Missionaries don't grow somewhere and then we find them. Missionaries are normal people like you and you and you at all of our campuses. Normal people. The Kramers were normal people. The Wilsons, normal people. The Todd family, normal people. I mean, the Prince family, normal people that God, that God called. The Aishans, normal people that God calls and says, hey, there's a better thing. Don't waste your adrenaline. Man, let's live that way. I don't have time to go into it, but every day let's use our adrenaline. Let's pray. God, give me a moment of adrenaline today. In my workplace, may I invent something. In my workplace, may I step out of the comfort zone and share my faith. In my workplace, may I use my adrenaline to be the highest producer for this company, knocking down obstacles of people believing in Christ because they look at me and say, wow, Christians are the best workers in the place. Use your adrenaline every single day. C.T. Studd, the famous preacher, said this, only one life will soon be passed only what's done for Christ will last. If we get one shot at it, do what lasts. Don't waste your adrenaline. Here's what the apostle Paul said when he's talking to Timothy. In 2 Timothy, he's about ready to die and he's gonna hand it over to Timothy. And so he says this, he says, Timothy, you take over. I'm about to die. My life an offering on God's altar. This is the only race worth running this is the only thrill sequence worth living for. I've run hard right to the finish, believed all the way, and all that's left now is the shouting, 
God's applause. Depend on it. He's an honest judge. He'll do right not only by me, but by everyone eager for his coming. And he's saying, Timothy, it was worth it. It was worth it. The shipwreck, the, the no clothes, the being hungry, the being beaten, all these things. It was worth it. The thrill sequence was worth it. And I lived for what really mattered. And he says, Timothy, you pick it up from here. Live a life that's a thrill sequence. Don't ever let the church get boring. Live for what really matters. And I want to pray that over our church that we will live the ultimate thrill sequence. We will never, ever, ever waste our adrenaline. So Father, I pray right now that we would never waste our adrenaline. We are given the desire, the thrill, the ability to experience things, the ability to have adrenaline. And I I pray that we'd use it for the things of God and not for the things that won't matter. Lord, we thank you that we can have fun. We thank you we can do these neat little sports and different things, but it's not what it's about. That's just a little fun thing and it's never meant to be a distraction. We wanna live for what really matters. And so God, I just proclaim over T-types that they would be missionaries and apostolic leaders. I proclaim over your church that we'd never be boring, that we'd have the greatest uh, life of adventure, that people in the cubicle next to us would wonder what country we're going to next and what world we're gonna change next. I I pray that we'd have the best marriages and the most exciting things and our parenting skills would be exciting and adventurous. We'd raise our kids to be world changers and using their adrenaline for the things of God. And I thank you for that. God, help us to never, ever, ever waste our adrenaline, but to use it building the kingdom of God. And we thank you for the privilege of doing that. Help us to bring everyone else we can with us on the ultimate thrill sequence. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.